0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Climbing the Ivy on the fan side of network. This is your host, Alex Pat, alongside Adam McGuinness. We are several games into the brief 2020 season. The Cubs offense so far really good, so is the starting rotation. The bullpen has not, but we're going to talk all about it. So stick around. We got a good show for you. Adam, how you doing? Great. Good, good. Okay, so as we're recording right now, the Cubs are down 2 nothing to the Cincinnati Reds. Sonny Gray is absolutely mowing the Cubs down. Kyle Hendricks gave up his first runs on the year on a Mike Moustakis two-run home run, which I'm pretty sure hasn't landed yet, but eh, kind of expected that this game would be tougher. But we're going to really focus on the first five games of the season, which the Cubs started 4-1 and in. There's a lot of good things to look at, and as I said, some negative things, but hey, baseball is a roller coaster, and we'll go all through it. Um, so tell me this. How do you feel right now about this team? Do you think that you are seeing legit promise for the long haul here under David Ross, this new coaching <sighs> regime, But or are you kind of saying it's a small sample size, we need to wait things out a little bit?
1: too soon to, to draw too many conclusions. Um, as much as I want to believe that this this good start uh, is gonna lead to good things to come down the road, I just still do not feel comfortable with this bullpen. Even in just a 60 game season, I, I just don't see how they're serious championship contenders unless they make some upgrades or some guys, you know, drastically turn things around. I just don't feel comfortable with that aspect of the team. I think the lineup as a whole, you know, not as strong as it as it was a few years ago, is still good enough. Uh, but the bullpen is just a huge, huge question mark. I mean, there's there's really no getting around it. They're not
0: serious contenders unless
1: they fix that bullpen somehow.
0: Yeah. So why don't we start with the negatives? And that is the bullpen. I mean, let's, let's be real here. The bullpen's terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really, really terrible. And it was shocking what we saw in Cincinnati in that first game. And it's even more shocking that the Cubs came away with a win. I mean, it was eight to one and eight to three and it yeah. should have been easy. But boy, I just, oh, it is so frustrating watching every single opponent batter against the bullpen, 3-1, three, 3-2 three, three, count every time. There's yeah. always at least three balls. And I actually I
1: stopped watching Monday's game after after the top of the 7th, I think, mm-hmm. when when the Cubs were up like 8-1. to one. I, I I flipped channels because it just seemed like a foregone conclusion that the Cubs had that game all wrapped up and won. And, yeah, I was... Needless to say, pretty shocked when I checked the box scores and saw that they just barely hung on and won. Uh, And then going back and watching some of the highlights from the end of that game, it just really does not inspire much confidence in the bullpen. Especially, and and, you know, some of these guys, we kind of halfway expected that, and we knew that there was going to be some struggles along the way. But Craig Kimbrell, man... That It is just painful to watch him right now. I mean, it, that performance on Monday is really, really concerning. I know that everybody's a, a little bit behind right now, and it's it, it didn't have the preseason that they wanted, uh, but everybody's in the same boat, and for what they're paying this guy, man, it,
0: it just really hurts to see what he's doing out there. He had a historically bad performance the other night yeah i mean it was literally historically bad only like several people in the history of baseball did what craig kimbrell did the other night and look you gotta throw strikes and here's the scary thing he threw like 18 curve 16 18 curveballs not one swing and miss the Reds were not fighting yeah. at all. They were not even considering swinging. Four walks, hit batter, got one out. That was a ground out fielder's choice, and he was charged with two runs. Yeah, they needed I mean, Jeremy Jeffress to come in and save the day, and he got lucky. Yeah, and he got and, lucky.
1: And Jeremy Jeffress is a guy that you know we weren't even positive he would be on the roster the whole year. I mean, that was Jeremy Jeffress was kind of a, a, a low key chance pickup sort of thing. And, and, and now here we are paying an elite closer, $16 million a year. And he's, he's bordering on already becoming unusable. I mean, I, I think th- th- there's, there's no question that, that if he keeps this up, you you have to move him out of the closer spot. But it goes even further than that now, where you wonder if you can even use them at all.
0: Yeah, it's pretty scary. You saw the fastball from Craig Kimbrell, and it was ninety-five, ninety-six. The speed is still there. I mean, it's it's not. It's it's
1: gone down a couple ticks, but it's still it's still a good fastball, velo wise. Better than, than if, seeing ninety-two, ninety-three. But if you're just gonna leave it up over the plate every time, then it, it's or nowhere it, close. Right. Right. If you can't locate it,
0: then that's you get what we've got from him so far. I mean, look, he was bad last year too. This is why we were concerned. He was bad last year. I, I he was bad in spring training. I tried
1: I tried to tell people, I know that you did too. You remember you remember how mad people were
0: when Craig Kimbrell did not sign with any team to start the year? For like six years that was being requested. Could you, you imagine if we I did mean, that? Do
1: you do you remember how up in arms so many people were, especially on Twitter, just calling for it's collusion? that The fact that all these teams across the league didn't want to sign Craig Kimbrell after the career he's had. But he was asking for nine figures. And so now you you just think maybe some of those teams saw the writing on the wall and didn't want to shell out a hundred million dollars for a guy who was going to do what he's doing now. I mean, maybe I, maybe it wasn't collusion. Maybe they just knew what they were doing. I mean, and even the deal that he got on the Cubs is already starting to feel like a disaster, and it's not even anywhere close to what he originally wanted.
0: Yeah, I you know I think Boston saw some of the warning signs and. You know, maybe I was just too caught up in getting a guy like Craig Kimball. But there there were there were warning signs. Yeah. People know this. I mean, and David Ross was actually the one that went and scouted him when he was doing workouts. And Ross reported back saying, yeah, we should sign this guy. So maybe he saw something different. But, you know, the one thing that does make you think is if that's what happened. Is Ross going to keep riding with this guy? I well, mean, I think it, I it.
1: At this point, it's too early to close the book on him. I, th- you know, he's going to need, he's going to need some more spots. He's he's going to need to get in there more. Uh, you you can't you can't call it done yet. Uh, but the peripherals. I mean, the thing with these relief pitchers once they get into their thirties, they're ten plus years into their career. You can't just look at the ERA they put up anymore. At that point, you have to start digging a little deeper, and once you look at some of the, the other numbers, that's when you start to become concerned a little bit, and the writing was sort of on the wall for Craig Kimbrell. I mean, it wasn't necessarily a foregone conclusion that he was going to be this bad, but there were instances uh, that that led people to believe that he was on the downhill slide at this point in his career. I just don't think anybody expected it to be quite this bad.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, just considering the fact that he's one of the best closers ever. Right. I mean, last decade, his numbers were staggering good, and it's crazy to look at them. But, yeah, it's it's hard. It's hard to see it yeah. this way. Because you're giving him a lot of money, because you know how good he's been throughout his career, and because it's a very important position in a bullpen that has really struggled. And just looking at the rest of the bullpen, Jeremy Jeffress... He got out of that mess. Now, he got lucky. Swung at ball four. Philip Irvin swung at ball four. And Votto hit a rope right to El Mora. But yeah. he got the out. Jeremy Jeffress has pitched an inning and two-thirds. Hasn't given up a run yet. But, um, you know, hopefully he can put some solid performances together because you might need that's that's what's concerning
1: because right now you've got guys in the bullpen that are keeping the team afloat but but you they're guys that you know that they're going to regress as the season they're not gonna they're not gonna you know put up these numbers all season long it's just not realistic to believe that and so some of these guys that we were counting on that have fallen short they're gonna have to step up or simply put the cubs are screwed and there's just really no getting around that uh, and in, as good as the lineup is and the power potential of it, it, it's also just unrealistic to expect that the bats can carry them through the whole season. You know, they're, they're good offense, but they're not going to put up eight runs a game. It's just not going to happen. Uh, the rotation is off to a great start. You have to expect that they're going to come down to earth a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, too. And you're, and you're even seeing that from Kyle Hendricks a little bit today yeah. too. Uh, but the game, you know, it's still early in the game, and he's still got plenty of time to, to put together a good start here tonight. But the bullpen, the bullpen is a huge concern, and unless they find some sort of quick fix, I just, I'm not feeling good about it. Uh, having said that, I'm not sure it'll matter, because my prevailing opinion right now is that this season is not going to make it to the end anyway. I, I wish I didn't believe that, and I hope to God I'm wrong. But right now, my gut feeling is we're not going to finish this thing.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of worry right now with the Marlins outbreak and the Nationals. They had some, you know, they had Juan Soto, and the Reds who they're playing tonight. You know, we saw it there, there was uh, Mike Moustakis was not feeling well. Uh, there were a few other guys, and you know they're back now. But it's definitely going to be a concern. And you know now you're having talks of teams playing like 57 games instead of 60 and going off winning percentage. The whole thing is very weird. Well, it's, it's just like,
1: they have such a tight schedule to get this season done. Yeah. It's it, And so when something happens, like it's happened to the Marlins, you start to wonder how it's easy, how it's even feasible that they, that they complete this season. And then you know, already you've got guys who are, are taking team opinion votes on whether or not they want to travel to certain places uh all sorts of problems are going to arise and this Marlins situation kind of goes back to what the commissioner had said at one point before the season started that one of the reasons why they would cancel the season would be if the competitive integrity was compromised uh and as much as you know we all realize the marlins are a bottom feeding team that weren't going to be postseason bound anyway this is one of those situations where uh The integrity of the game is compromised here, and I know that we're not really making a big deal out of it right now because it's the Marlins, like I said, and we know that they suck. But if this had happened to the Yankees... Imagine if it was the Yankees. If if the Yankees or the Dodgers had 14, 15, 16 players have to be sidelined for weeks, there would be uproar. There would be national calls for the season to be over. It would be all over. All of the sports talk shows. Uh, but since it's the Marlins, that's not really that concern is not really being raised right now., uh, but I think the larger point is is that something like that is just always hanging by a thread and ready to happen to a team like the Yankees. And I think if it does, it would be such a PR nightmare that the commissioner would almost have his hands tied.
0: Yeah, that's true. And we've already seen a number of games, including, with the Yankees canceled because of concerns of the Phillies traveling, who were playing the Marlins. So there's a big chain reaction when one kind of thing happens. When one thing happens related to COVID, it's a chain reaction because then it gets spread to your teammates. Yeah. Then it gets spread to the team you were playing. Then the team that's supposed to come in doesn't feel and right rightfully so, doesn't feel comfortable playing there. Yeah. It's a big chain reaction. It's more than just, oh, we got to contain to this one player, this one team. It still affects everybody, whether you're the Marlins, whether they're, you're the Yankees, whether you're the Dodgers, anybody. It yeah. affects everything. And, you know,
1: frankly, I don't blame some of the players who are weary of traveling now and going places because, you know, if you're going by the CDC guidelines – uh, it, it's, it's not even just that if you get infected, you have to quarantine. They, they want you to quarantine for two weeks. If you just have been exposed to anybody mm-hmm. that has had it, yep. I mean, it, you could, you could know that you don't have it and be negative, but even if you've been around people who have been known to have it, you're supposed to quarantine. And at some point it, this chain reaction is going to, is going to reach a point where it, it, you have to break the guidelines just to keep playing. And that's yeah. kind of already what we're seeing and so I think some of these players are starting to think, hey, you know, did the guidelines ni- did the guidelines not apply to us? Are we compromising the safety of people so we can fit the baseball season in?
0: Right, it's it's pretty messy right now, honestly.
1: Also, you know, leave it to the Marlins to to pretty much ruin this for everyone. Of course it had to be a team like the Marlins to start this.
0: Grr shake fist angrily yeah you can't see it right now but i'm shaking my fist angrily can't can't
1: yeah i'm making the arthur fist yeah (laughs) old meme i know dead meme but i still like it no arthur
0: memes live forever because arthur is the best
1: uh, Ah, just is yeah i remember Uh, watching some arthur after school when uh, i was a a youngin
0: oh every day before school in elementary school i'd watch arthur was always on right before i had to leave for school yeah
1: they did they did reruns uh after school too at some point and that's i remember watching that i remember watching clifford
0: too yeah yeah that was that was a good one yeah that was a good one too there were a lot of good shows back on pbs when we were kids they just they don't make shows like that anymore man who who had who had teletubbies what pbs
1: was that pbs
0: yeah i i was a teletubbies watcher when i
1: was little apparently but I guess my, my parents were kind of worried about it because the show was like just one big acid trip. <laughs> and there wasn't really anything particularly educational about it. It was pretty much just a trip fast. Yeah, like pretty much. Killing brain cells of children all across the world just hypnotizing them. Uh
0: anyway, back to baseball though. Uh yeah I didn't think we'd go on a teletubbies discourse tonight yeah we
1: we go on lots of tangents a lot of times about food, but yeah it teletubbies it, it really tonight.
0: was just an acid trip I mean, it's a smiling it was, baby sun that freaky. rises
1: it was freaky there were there I still you know wonder if there
0: was like some subliminal messages in that show or something, and it's one if, of those things where if you slow the tape down and rewind it, it'll be like this is a message. This is a message. They are holding the bishop of Constantinople at the Pentagon and he knows about Area 51. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's that's I wonder if at some point our generation that watched Teletubbies when we were little, if we're gonna like they're gonna flip a switch and we're gonna carry out some secret mission for a foreign government or something. (laughs) Like the South Park episode where they're they're making fun of Pokemon. Oh, Chibokomon, yeah. <laughs> Chibokomon, yeah. It's <Yeah. laughs> all just brainwashing the kids into taking down the American government. Yeah, I wonder I if Teletubbies is in that vein, if that's what's going on with us, and at some point we're going to carry out a secret mission.
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, there's got to be secret coded messages in the Teletubbies, like, television on their stomachs. Yeah. <laughs> oh, weird. Stuff only kids' eyes can see. Exactly. The parents, the parents were none the wiser. Exactly. Okay, so yeah. Back to baseball. Um I I know we're really going on about the bullpen, the negatives, but there's just one more thing I want to bring about the about the bullpen. This is my opinion. Right now, the only two guys I trust are Kyle Ryan and Rowan Wick. I mean, that's about it. Ryan Tapera has shown some promising stuff but he's also given up a few runs. I do like the stuff, so let's see where that goes. Uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. looks really good in preseason, but he's given up two home runs already. Casey Sadler showed some promising stuff yesterday. The home run, frankly, didn't bother me that much, but we'll see how that develops. Uh, James Norwood, Rex Brothers, I, I don't really have much of an opinion there. So, yeah, I mean, Kyle Ryan and Roan Wick right now are the two guys I really trust, and Uh, it would be really nice if we had more than just two guys I could trust right now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And in this condensed season, I just think it's going to be so hard to acquire someone.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, you're going to have to, you're going to have to go on the waiver wire. You're going to have to try to do something or you're going to have to, you're, you're probably going to have to reach down and get someone like one of your prospects, Alzole Marquez, probably going to have to happen. I mean, and it's hard to keep yeah. a bullpen healthy. So yeah, it's, it just pretty much seems inevitable, really. Mm-hmm. So anyway, enough about the bullpen. Let's go on to some of the more positives. Um, Timing isn't great because Kyle Hendricks does not look good tonight, but Boy, the rotation as a whole, and Kyle Hendricks, that opening game. That was
1: that, a thing that, of you. That was a show. Yeah. I, and just, we, we sang his praises a, a couple weeks ago about how underrated he was and how he gets disrespected nationally just because he doesn't throw hard. At what He didn't throw a single pitch faster than
0: 87,
1: I think. Is that was that right on opening night for the Cubs?
0: You know, I don't really know exactly, but it wouldn't surprise me. It was it was
1: maybe it was like 88 or 89. But I do know for sure that he never threw a pitch over 89. He did not reach 90. And he did what he and he did that. And he was the NL player of the week. I mean, it's those batters were just fooled. He just had those guys completely fooled and the curveball was masterful that night the only guy to get hits off him was freaking orlando arcia yeah yeah he he had 3 hits and that was it wasn't it that was the, yeah. his 3 hits were were the only hits the brewers had that whole game yeah and That's no walks incredible. what 9 strikeouts
0: on 103 pitches
1: yeah, so I mean that's that's all the the proof that you need right there that it's it's not all about speed. It's not all about having an upper 90s fastball. It's location, 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 baby. If you can throw a curveball like that and you've got some good movement and you can locate those pitches,
0: you don't have to you don't have to be a, a heater guy. No, you don't. It's kind of different with bullpens, but for starting pitchers, yeah, you're not going to see everybody Pump over ninety five plus, and you're able to work with it if right. you got good stuff. And I mean, Christian Yelich looked helpless up there. Yeah, Lorenzo kane didn't cool. do anything. I'm so, sure
1: Darvish. I'm sure that hurt Darvish's feelings seeing Christian Yelich struggle. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> You remember that little beef they had with each other? I do. On- <laughs> that
0: was weird. That was,
1: that was nice. That was yeah, because really- Darvish. Darvish does not seem like that kind of guy, but Yelich must really have rubbed in the wrong way
0: yeah it's weird but yeah god that feels like ages ago
1: yeah it really does
0: Everything anything does. before march feels like years ago two two months ago feels like years ago yeah so moving on with the rotation how about tyler chatwood in this uh opener finale the opening series finale tyler chatwood the command looked overall good He walked two guys in six innings, which isn't bad, struck out eight, gave up three hits, one run, and the one run was just kind of on a little blooper. That was really impressive by Tyler Chatwood, and he leads all starters in strikeouts per nine with 12.0, in case you cared. But that was... To me, that's a really important start for Chatwood because hopefully that gives him some confidence going forward. I think he needed to have a good start out of the gate, and he sure had a good start. Yeah, so I think going into this season, knowing
1: that Chatwood was going to be in the rotation, I think really all we expected or all we wanted from him was damage control, make the starts, pitch the innings, uh, and you know just keep the game winnable. But that really was a great performance he had. And, and obviously, he's not going to do that every time, obviously. We know that. Uh, but just two walks and six innings for him is, is quite good for Chatwood. And, yeah. and that, was, that was always the most concerning part. It was never the stuff. The stuff always looked good, good movement, good velo. Uh, but he, he could never locate. And it just way too many walks, way too many walks. Uh, But if this first start of his is any indication of how his season's going to go, then that's a huge bonus for the Cubs because I don't think that they expected him to perform any better than a fifth starter, which is pretty much what everyone thought he was going to be.
0: Right. That's people like myself were saying, you know, maybe he should go to the bullpen. He should be a Mm -hmm. long reliever. And, you know, I will say this, just kind of relaying back to the bullpen thing right now in the situation they're in where Chatwood and Mills are in the rotation and with Alzelay not on the big league squad, you don't really have a long reliever. You you really,
1: you really don't. I mean, at one point it was Montgomery and Chatwood and, and yeah, they, they really don't have that guy right now. And I think if they needed one, then Chatwood probably would have to be that guy. Uh, and maybe that becomes reality when Quintana is back, but but if he's gonna keep if he's gonna keep it up, then I think you you gotta keep him in the rotation if you can.
0: Yeah, I mean right now if he's hot. He's still just kind of on a
1: rotation. on a yeah, he's still kind of just on a prove it basis, I would say.
0: Yeah, I think so too. I think if he strings together a few good starts, then mm-hmm. you're gonna get a lot more confidence in him. Yeah. I do like the stuff that he is throwing. I looks really good. do like it. Yes. It looks good. It's just a question of will he be able to consistently
1: locate it? Because I mean, there were there were plenty of games Last year and the year before, where you watched Tyler Chatwood pitch and he'd, he'd give you five or six innings of one or two run ball, and you think, okay, that's fine. But but if you really watched a lot of those games, you, you see that you know it, it kind of labored through it, and there were still too many walks, uh, guys lining out hard. But this just looked like a genuinely good performance from him,
0: which is inspires a little bit of confidence, I think. Right. I think that's going to be very key going forward. If he gets like you look at these starts and if he gets off to quick starts in the innings that he does have, then you feel pretty good because when he starts off walking guys, that's when things really can start to pile and go bad. It kind of snowballs. kind of exactly. snowballs into disaster for him but
1: yeah like like you said the key for him is just to get off on the right start and then he he seems to be fine the those first couple innings though are always just crucial for him because he, exactly. he just he never seems to be able to bounce back from a rough first or second inning
0: mm-hmm. it's very true and we saw last year when chetwood had some really dang good performances out of the bullpen he was coming out firing away and that's when you knew you could trust him in the bullpen. He came out and he was throwing strikes. He was getting guys to swing and miss ground balls. Kind of that same mentality there. He gets off to a good start. You can rely on him for a couple of innings. So let's hope he keeps that up. Next, we talk about John Lester, who did not give up a hit the other night. He also struck out one batter and walked one guy, which is kind of expected. He's not going to blow smoke past people anymore. Right. But it was fun. To just see a nice diet of lazy fly balls and ground balls. It was poetry, in my opinion, to see that many just... And it's like they weren't hit hard fly balls. They weren't hit hard on the ground either. They were just lazy pops and slow rollers. That's exactly what you expect out of John Lester. And if you can get that, you will take it. Yeah, and that's kind of
1: what we've talked about before with Lester is that as he ages, he kind of has to retool a little bit. The velocity is not the same as it was, uh, but the really good pitchers are the ones who figure out how to adjust to elongate their career. And that start from Lester was a prime example of how you do that. And it, yeah, it was it was very refreshing to see that because I think John Lester is another guy that people weren't really quite sure what to expect from him going into the season. I know I wasn't sure what to expect, uh, but you, you'll you'll take that from him every single time.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it's too bad he was on kind of a limit because it would have been a lot easier if he could go further into that game. But you understand why Ross did it. Yeah. By the way, uh, Nick Castellanos just hit a grand slam against the Cubs. They are now down 8 to nothing. Uh, shoot. Yeah. <sighs> Not a good day for Kyle Hendricks in the bullpen. Rip. Oy. but He gads. Anyway. Last thing I want to talk about in the rotation... Round of applause for Alec Mills the other day. Six innings, two runs, two hits, two walks, three strikeouts. And with Mills, Hendricks in his first start, and Lester, and Chatwood, there was one common theme. Strike one, strike one, strike one, strike one. On virtually every batter, they got ahead in the count, 0-1 unlike the bullpen that does the opposite, they were getting ahead of every batter that automatically gives you an advantage. That was wonderful to see. And Alec Mills did the same thing. He had it working. Alec Mills had had as good of a start as you could ask for against that team in that ballpark. So that, that raises
1: the question uh, because we, we, like you said, we're seeing a common theme here from Mills, from Chatwood, from Lester, Does this make you, this just has to
0: make you feel really good about Tommy Hadovy, right? So far. So far, I think he's working very well with the starters. Be nice if the bullpen can improve. I feel like I'm saying that a million times, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a good sign with the starters so far. Again, it's very early. It's a small sample size, but you know, hey. But you've, you've, you've got some guys who
1: you're used to seeing get off to really slow starts that. That are locating well to begin with, and I—I I mean, that's a good sign so far. I'm not saying Ahadi is is the answer to all the Cubs' pitching woes, because it is obviously only six games into the season here. Uh, but this is a good start. That, that I feel good so far about him.
0: Yeah, me too. Me too. Knock on
1: wood. I mean, it's just just the the whole element of coaching changes across the board. At least, you know, it's no guarantee that everything's going to be better, but at least kind of eases your worries that things are just going to go back to the way they were and we're going to experience the same problems again. It, it, it at least kind of eases some of those concerns, I think, for now. I think so,
0: too. I just hope we can see more lengthy outings as the season goes along from right. our starters because last few years— the starters have not gone as long as we have liked. It's been kind of a common problem. Been a problem, yeah. So, if we can get more of that, oh, really, that would be so nice. Frankly,
1: they have to.
0: Because they don't it, have. Yeah, they don't have it, much of a choice. If,
1: if this bullpen is going to continue to be what it's been, then if the Cubs want to win games, they really have no choice but to get good starts out of their starters almost every time. It, can't be having this for just four or five innings, a start kind of thing. If that's the way it's going to be, then the team's doomed and that's just all there is
0: to it. No joke. No joke. All right, let's move on to the offensive side of the ball. Even though they're not performing as we're recording right now tonight, so far, I got to say as a whole, I've really liked what good. I've seen from the offense yeah. and we have seen some really good situational hitting not only from some of the key guys but the bottom of the order has been getting it done very yes. very impressive we have seen so far some very per, um some very good performances at the plate from Jason Kipnis david Bodie has come in he's played in three games he's slashing 500 556 1000 with a home run and three RBIs right so that is precisely
1: why I'm encouraged by the lineup so far. Not that we you know, didn't expect them to be a good offense, uh, but you've got pretty slow starts for guys like Anthony Rizzo, Javi Baez, and especially Chris Bryant. But despite that, they're getting carried by, you know, yeah, the Ian Haps, uh, Nico Horner, Kyle Schwarber's been hitting well. Uh, that's why it's so encouraging, because you know guys like Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez are going to pick it up. I mean, if, if they stay healthy, then, you know, you, you feel confident that they're going to get back into the groove. Uh, so it, they become even more dangerous then when those guys start to get hot again. But I am I am rooting so hard for Kyle Schwarber to have an amazing season. I, and I know everyone else is too, Cubs fans, but man, he deserves it. And I I would love nothing more than to see him hit like 260 with 40 home runs this year. Yeah, for sure. And I think he could do it. I think I think he could hit 260. I really believe he could do that.
0: In a shortened season, anything's possible, well, really. Yeah, especially in a shortened season, yeah. I really, really love what we're seeing from Nico Horner. Like, yeah. I just, I really mm-hmm. love what we're seeing. You're seeing some great plate discipline. You are seeing, even when he's not necessarily getting walks, like, you're seeing him have good at-bats, He doesn't have any walks yet on the season, but you're seeing him have some lengthy at-bats, and you're seeing him hitting in really nice situations. You know, he's already driven in a couple of runs. He's driven in three runs. Yesterday, for example, this is just, you know, one of a few instances, but Nico Horner, he drove in the first run of the game. He drove in Jason Kipnis, who had tripled. But later in the game, when you wanted some insurance... He was facing former Cub Pedro Strope, who I still miss, but he was down in the count, and, you know, Pedro was throwing his slider, he was getting swings and misses, and he was able to drive the ball out to center field with a sack fly. Seeing that from a young 23-year-old facing a veteran reliever like Pedro Strope, who can get you to swing and miss, it doesn't seem like much, but to me, that's the signs of something good coming from that kid.
1: Yeah, and... From a guy who we weren't sure if he'd even be on the opening day roster, uh, and has been playing a bunch, yeah, it's it's awesome to see. I mean, and like you said, just in general, to see the bottom of the lineup doing so well is very encouraging for the rest of the season. And you know, the thing is, usually with a guy like Nico Horner, you know, we we keep it in perspective that he's playing well now, but the season is 162 games long, and so you have to be realistic that eventually he's going to fall down to earth in the months to come. But the season is so short that it's really not out of the realm of possibility that he just stays hot for most of the season since it's going to be so
0: short. True. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. So it'll be fun to watch to see what he can continue to bring. And, you know, he's got some nice speed too. So that's a nice little element to have. Yeah. Wilson Contreras is keeping it up too at the plate. Mm-hmm. He's following up what he did in the scrimmages and in spring training, he's got a home run. He's got a couple of doubles. He has a couple of runs batted in. Looking good for him so far. Yeah, that's my catcher, baby. Yep, right on. And like what I'm seeing from Victor Caratini, too, with the dish, you know, Anthony Rizzo's doing his thing. He's got three home runs already. He's getting on base. Javi Baez got off to a slow start, but he hit two bombs yesterday in a double. That's an encouraging sign. Mm-hmm. Now, something's wrong with Bryant. I think it's pretty obvious. We already are hearing about the elbow. Yeah. Man, he's off. He is really, really off. It's,
1: it's a tough situation, too, because normally I would be inclined to say, you know, give him a little bit of time off to let him heal whatever is going wrong. But with such a short season... If he's able to play, it's hard to justify keeping keeping him out. It just is. And so that that makes this a really, really tough situation, I think. Uh, and yeah, like you said, just watching him, it seems like something's wrong. It doesn't feel like just a, an abnormally, unusually slow start. It It looks like something is wrong. He just doesn't look comfortable up there.
0: No, he doesn't. One thing that was really evident the other day was he was facing former Cub? I think it was Dan Straley, and he wasn't throwing hard. He was throwing like high eighties, like eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight. Yeah, Bryant got several like eighty seven mile an hour fastballs right down the middle, blew by him.
1: Yeah, and that's just that's the kind of guy that you
0: expect Chris Bryant to just crush. 2016 2015 bryant would have hit that into the third deck yeah yeah it's tough to see and you know what's really weird too is i thought bryant got out looking really good in the first game he didn't get any hits but he was having amazing at bats he had like a 10 pitch at bat to start the season it's like and then he eventually flew out but it was like dang like that looks good, that's promising. yeah. And he has one hit so far. No extra base hits so
1: I, I I think if if he can get past whatever is going on, if it's an injury or whatever i th- I think he'll be fine. You know, Bryant is kind of streaky sometimes. He has he has these long, cold streaks, but he always eventually snaps out of it. The only issue right now is time
0: is of the essence right and the the other thing too is when bryant is off he's usually able to work out of it by getting on base a few times and that yeah. usually gets things to click but if there's something physically wrong then it's a bit more complicated
1: right and and that's the thing is we really don't know for sure what is going on i mean we we heard about the elbow and maybe maybe that's maybe that's the the issue but not knowing if there's you know if it's serious enough that he shouldn't be playing or if there's any sort of timetable that's very concerning because to lose a guy like Chris Bryant for really any stretch of time this season is a, is a massive
0: loss to the team it is you want that to heat up cuz you know Everything that's going your way, you know, you're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have games like tonight where we're down nine, nothing, but you want to at least get some more consistency out of your key players yeah. to kind of cancel out some of the wacky stuff that's happening good or bad. I mean, look so far overall, I can't complain too much about the offense, but you don't want it to go too cold for too long. And look, tonight they're facing a guy like Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray is really stinking good. And tomorrow they have Louis Castillo, so I can't say this enough. It was so huge that they won the first two games in favorable matchups of this red series.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's... and that's the thing too, is we keep preaching how short the season is. You just can't you can't overstate how important it is and how crucial every single game is. You know, under normal circumstances, we'd be saying things like, "Oh, that's there's there's enough time to get things picking back up." But it, it's a big deal to get off to a slow start right now. It really is. I mean, you you already feel like you're sort of having to dig yourself out of a hole. So I think the Cubs being four and one right now, about to be four and two, unfortunately, despite what we've seen from the bullpen and some of the lineup, is that's that's good news at least because. If they can if they can win some of these games while going through some growing pains then then they're in, they're in good shape but you know like we like we keep
0: saying time is of the essence. Yeah, that's that's it makes it makes every bad game it takes just one little thing to go wrong to inflict whole panic. I mean, right. it usually happens on Twitter anyway, but especially now. Because now when things kind of go sour for even a short amount of time, it's kind of more justified to freak out because the season is so short. Yeah. So, I just hope Brian can come around. I hope he's okay. Now, I don't know about you, but looking at everything so far with the Cubs... I think that it's reasonable to expect kind of how do I say it like a lull. We're going to we're going we're gonna to experience a rough patch. Yeah. And right. that rough patch will be immediately canceled out by another great stretch like what we've just seen. I'm not saying it's necessarily going to come like over this week, but it's going to happen at some point And. It's, it feels like one of those things where the fate of your season is going to lie on when it happens, for better or for worse. You want to make sure that your hot streaks are timed well and you're able to come out of cold streaks in a timely manner. Because timing is everything in a short season. You could be rolling and then things could fall apart. Or you could be rolling, things kind of fall apart, and then you pick yourself back up in time. But you got to pick up yourself pretty fast. If they start the season well and then just kind of fade away, well, you know, things get a lot more difficult. But if you kind of hit a lull midseason and then things get better towards the end, it's a different scenario. There's just so much that can happen in 60 games. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, everything like that is a big deal. I mean, even look at the Dodgers today, Joe Kelly getting an eight game suspension. That is a huge deal in a 60 game mm-hmm. season. That's that is 13% of the season that he's going to miss. I mean, it, it really is hard to express just how important all these things are. I mean, that's that is a long time and obviously the, the biggest concern is, is yeah, is injuries because be, you know, having a, any serious injury pretty much means that you're going to miss a, a huge chunk of the season.
0: Right. I mean, even if you just go days now that's pretty much two weeks yeah it's it's a big deal it's a very big deal okay so i don't know if you have anything else cubs to talk about there are a few baseball things i wanted to bring up and we talked about the concerns of the pandemic but Going back to what you said about Joe Kelly, I mean, everything last night with the Astros and the Dodgers was pretty much what we expected. We knew it wasn't going to be just some baseball game. We knew it wasn't going to be just, oh, hey, they're going to play. Maybe they'll chirp and they'll call each other names for a brief second and then it'll all be done. Nope, 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 nope pretty much what we expected bit more ugliness and boy, those, uh, those feelings are not going to go away. It's not going to be like a one-time thing where, okay, they're going to get a few shots at each other. And that's it. This is going to linger for a while.
1: Yeah. And you know what? It's what they deserve. If you, if I'm being honest, Joe Kelly, I, I, I would say he took one for the team and, I'll be honest with you. I had a good laugh at that whole ordeal. That gif that's going around, love it. It's priceless.
0: It it, it it's just totally worth it. That if might I was him, I would think totally worth it. That might be like the new favorite gif among baseball Twitter. It's it's certainly it's, the one I've seen the most of. Well, and it goes beyond baseball too because that gif is just going to be so usable
1: in so many situations. Yes. I yes. already—I have it downloaded already. It's, Me too. It's in the queue. It's—I'm ready to use it at a moment's notice, and it's gonna—it's gonna apply to a lot of situations, and it's gonna be glorious. It's kind
0: of like you've loaded up the super soaker, and you're ready to fire it at. Oh anyone. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> we just our our generation—you know—we we have the memes at the ready. We just, yeah. Go on my
0: phone dude you should see all the memes I have <laughs> I'm sure quite a few spongebob memes a few arthur memes some mm-hmm. random memes some GIFs. it's a nice little mix yeah that's 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 a good
1: that's a good arsenal
0: you know what I've said for a while is spongebob memes are kind of like the economy. They run the world. SpongeBob memes are <laughs> everywhere. And it seems like SpongeBob memes are unlimited in what well, they can do. It's like once one SpongeBob
1: meme runs its course, another one emerges. Yes! It's really a never-ending cycle where one particular one may go out for a while, but it always gets replaced by a new one. And so we just perpetually have popular spongebob memes and to be honest i'm not complaining about that i'm pretty much okay with it
0: we had the spongebob caveman meme we had the patrick evil face meme yeah we had the future meme we've had the mr Krabs meme where like everything's blurry and it's like a big uh ta-da where everything is going crazy oh there's been so many and sometimes the memes just come I mean, I shouldn't say sometimes most of the time, these memes just appear out of nowhere. They just magically appear,
1: yeah. i I don't know where the hell people get some of these sometimes. I really don't know where that how people like you would have to pour through so much TV to find these. And it's always like it's always one of the, you know, obscure moments in the show. That ends up being a popular meme. It's never, it's never, almost never from the most popular clips of the show. It's always just some random spot.
0: Yeah, that's so true. Because I think people just look out for random little things. Like, just randomly, they they pause. And they're like, oh, look at that.
1: They just have a knack for it. Because I watched a lot of SpongeBob growing up. And so sometimes I see these SpongeBob memes and I'm like... What episode is that even from? I don't even know what that is. And I watched a ton of SpongeBob, so I feel I feel like I should know. But I think people are just like finding the most obscure moments to 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 generate some of these memes. My favorite SpongeBob meme right now is the the fish uh at the table just glaring at at you. <laughs> I don't know if you know which one I'm talking about, but I think so. It's it's a great uh
0: it's a great one to use in like what did you just say? Kind of moments? Is it the one where he's got like a cup, like a straw cup? He's at the crusty crab and he's got like a, a yeah. straight face. Yeah, he, he's I the, love that. Yeah, one.
1: he's at the crusty crab and he's just got this like this
0: look of judgment on his face. <laughs> yeah. That's I love that. That's my favorite one. one right now. <laughs> I think that's the one I've saved most recently and that I've used most recently. That's yeah. a really good one. I like the one where uh <laughs> it's the one uh hey buddy could I get a couple of ice cubes in this drink? And like, he's holding out like the glass and like, they'll put like a caption <laughs> at the glass, just something about that fish's expression or just hilarious. And of course you can't uh, count out the rev up those friars memes. No, yeah. you know,
1: SpongeBob was just a, a pretty funny show. Honestly, like even today, some of the humor kind of holds up and it, I, I'm sure you've noticed that they it, watching it back now, like they sprinkled a little bit of adult humor into it that kids more would than never a little pick, bit those yeah, those early kids would,
0: seasons, quite a bit Yeah,
1: stuff that kids would never pick up on. But if you were a parent in the room watching with your kid, you would be like, what,
0: what did they just say? And of course you wouldn't tell your kid what it means.
1: Yeah. You, I mean, as a kid, you think nothing of it, but then, yeah, you, you see it now and it's like,
0: they just said that in a kid's show. Well, and it's like, it's funny because sometimes you look back at the context and you don't really remember how the, it's not always about how the line is like laid out, like word by word. It's kind of how it's delivered. Sometimes you don't even pick up the tone of an adult joke until you hear it again. And you listen to like the tone they're saying it and you're like, oh, wow, that's what they meant. Wow. Yeah,
1: it's, I never it's, knew what that meant. Yeah, it's, it's never an, an obvious crude
0: adult joke. It's always just like slipped in there. Very sneaky. Very sneaky. Yeah, no, that is so true. You know, it's also funny too about like some really funny Cubs moments that happen on the field. A lot of memes arise just from random screenshots where they're like doing a weird expression or they're in a weird position like if you're sliding the first then their head is going right into the other person's behind. And it's just like really random baseball moments where all you need to do is like freeze a frame. You can find something funny in there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I love it. The where's Rizzo memes were pretty funny from the first week of, I think it was the first week of the scrimmages when Rizzo sat out and his bad, uh, he had the bad back. So he was in the bleachers and they made like the where's waldo uh memes those were pretty funny they got some some good personalities on that team so they
1: you
0: know that that makes them susceptible to being memeable and that's what i really like about this team so far and even of all people tom brenneman on the reds broadcast the other day i think it was yesterday he was like Well, hate the Cubs all you want, but they're playing with energy and you got to respect that. They're like a high school team with the energy, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I'm paraphrasing doing a really bad Tom Brenneman impersonation, but it's noticeable. You hear them clapping the dugout. They clap and sing the Rizzo walk-up song. David Ross, I think, has these guys really in high spirits. And Mm -hmm. to do that as a rookie manager in these type of times... You got to give your props to him, man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know,
1: it, it helps, too, that the core of this team has been together for a while. It's not like it's a bunch of new faces that are that are being forced to get used to each other and everything. These guys have been playing around each other for quite a while now. And that, I think there's that element definitely plays into it, too. You 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 just play looser. You know, everyone you've been doing it together for a while. So it's I, I think that probably has something to do with it, too. It's good to see.
0: It is. It really is. I also think it's funny when you listen to the broadcast or you watch the broadcast. When something happens, especially on the radio, when you're not seeing what happens, especially on the radio, when you hear the crack of a bat or you hear a pitch thrown and you hear a bunch of, ah, you're like, for a split second before the announcer says what happens, you go, what happened? There was cheering. Which dugout was it? You don't know. But you yeah. hear the dugouts you know, cheering and clapping yeah. and saying stuff. Sometimes you'll hear the manager shouting out. It's just really different, but it's really cool at the same time. It was
1: so weird watching watching Cubs home games because I am so used to the crowd just going nuts. Anytime a ball gets elevated, anytime it's a fly ball, it could be a shallow fly ball. But anytime the ball gets up, the crowd goes nuts. And man, not hearing that has just been eerie.
0: I know. I know. It, One it, track power, is, you don't hear the, oh. Yeah,
1: which is weird to me because that's something that actually used to frustrate the crap out of me is that the Cubs fans at the stadium acted like it was a home run every time the ball was in the air and because it would get me excited each time even though I had, had learned better by then to never trust Judge the, the crowd. Yeah, but I find myself missing that now.
0: Well, it was just kind of part of instinctively watching baseball, whether you liked it or not. Certain things about baseball, there were things that the crowd did. There were things about the game that were just integrated into part of watching it. So when it's not there, for better or for worse, it feels weird. Yeah, yeah. Just parts of of the experience
1: as a whole. Some of that stuff is, you know, you don't really think anything of it. In a normal season, but now that they're gone, it's like, oh man, you start to compile a list in your head of all the little things that you're missing.
0: Yeah, I mean, the crowd noise is one. The funny thing, too, is also I look at different scores and every time I look at a score and I look at where the game is being played, I always say, okay, they're in Minnesota, I picture Target Field, they're in Pittsburgh, I picture PNC Park, so on and so forth. When I picture the games, I still in my head mentally think about fans in the stands. I'm like, oh yeah, there's nobody there. Even when I'm not watching the game, I'm like, oh, Minnesota, when they hit a home run, crowd must have went wild. Oh, wait, there is no crowd. Aaron Judge went deep. Yankee Stadium must be buzzing. Oh, there's nobody there. Mm, Oh, they're... They're down in uh, Texas they're playing the big bad cheating Astros things are getting <laughs> chippy I bet the crowd's into it yeah. oh wait there is no crowd you know what I mean it's yeah just... it, it it is a little weird it's it, it's a lot of weird actually
1: uh, but as I've said so many times before I will take this over no baseball uh, and I'm I'm just holding on to it. For dear life right now while i can and enjoying it while i can uh because like i said my gut feeling still is that this is not going to reach the conclusion that we want it to
0: it feels so good again i just, just sit and look forward to a game i, t- I tell you what here's something that
1: you know, fans fans are no fans it, it has no bearing on this experience one thing that i've always loved to do is just look at the box scores in the morning. It's always too. it's always been something that I've I've loved doing. It's something I look forward to in the morning uh, just drinking some coffee and checking the box scores. And the lack of fans does not change that experience and I'm really glad to have that back. That is one of the little things that I am just so happy to have back.
0: I love scoreboard watching like just mm-hmm. going on my app and looking at all the scores. Yeah. I love it so much. And I've really, really missed that. Yeah. I miss looking forward to like first pitch. Like, okay, yeah. Cubs first pitch is in an hour, a half hour. Yeah. I really miss that. And I kind of forgot how much I missed it because after a while, kind of got used to not having it after a while. Mm-hmm. But now it feels right. It just another, feels right.
1: Another thing I, I, I have always loved doing uh, is just going through all the upcoming dates and looking at what the pitching matchups are going to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's always fun too. Now this doesn't apply to you, but it applies to me. I am going to be watching a Blackhawks playoff game on August 1st, this Saturday. You want to talk about weird? This is even weirder.
1: So they they did expanded playoffs, right? If it was a normal season, the Blackhawks wouldn't be in, would they? Right.
0: The right. The Blackhawks literally got in as like the twenty fourth seed, which was like the last one. So so they could be like uh, an
1: ultimate Cinderella story kind of thing, then, huh?
0: Yeah, I'm not really counting not, it's, on it's it. It's not going to but... happen,
1: but you know, it's a. So you're telling me there's a chance
0: they're up. They're up three nothing right now in their exhibition against St. Louis. Okay. All right. <laughs> The thing is, so, the times are really, really weird. So, like, game one is at 2 o'clock on a Saturday, which, okay. But the next game is, like, local time, central time. It's, like, 9 o'clock at night. And then noon on Tuesday afternoon. So, some really weird times. But they have to get in all these games. And they have to play all these playoff matches. So, obviously, the schedule is going to be weird. And it's out in Edmonton, so obviously West coast up in Canada time zones are a little different here than in Chicago. That's one thing that I really like about baseball is since it's all interdivision, you don't have to worry about those late games against the Dodgers and the Padres and Arizona diamondbacks. It's all within division, but with hockey playoffs, it's going to be a little different, but yeah, I'm sitting here getting ready for playoff hockey for a team that had no business being in the playoffs in August.
1: Hey, that's, you know, we'll take anything we can to get stuff to look forward to.
0: All right. Well, that is actually just about to do it here on Climbing the Ivy. Adam, I want to thank you as always for being my co-host. I want to thank everybody for listening. A reminder, you could check out Cubby's Crib at cubbyscrib.com. You could also check out their Facebook and Twitter pages. You could also check out this podcast on iTunes.com. Until next time, he's Adam. I'm Alex. Have a great night.